It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, you're listening to the BBC Country Farm magazine podcast, which is a celebration of the British countryside. Why not come with us for adventures into the wild? meet fascinating rural folk, and simply relax in beautiful landscapes. In this episode, naturalist James Fair visits the island of Musa in Shetland for one of Britain's rarest and eeriest wildlife experiences. He spends a night among a breeding colony of storm petrels. In the company of local guide Rodney Smith, James settles down at dusk within an Iron Age fortress on the island and waits for these tiny hardy seabirds to make their appearance. So the sound we're listening to is a storm petrel. And these storm petrels are tiny little birds that live here on Musa in Shetland. And they live literally under boulder rubble, uh, or they nest under boulder rubble. And they're making that call to tell their mate where they are. Their mate has been out at sea, um fishing for maybe three, four days. At some point this evening, possibly, it may come back under the cover of darkness uh, to take over the responsibility of looking after a chick or gestating an egg. Um, These storm petrels, they're tiny little birds about the size of a sparrow. Uh, and they are, in fact, I think, the world's smallest seabird. And when they're not on Musa here in Shetland, they fly down to South Africa and beyond, thousands and thousands of miles, tiny little bird. And as I say, it's now... 11, 11.15 at night, and it's still light it's in mid-July because, of course, we're very far north and we're waiting for it to get dark so that the birds can return safely under the cover of darkness because if they come during daylight, then predators such as black gulls, maybe skewers, birds like that, will, will catch them and kill them 
Um, so we have to wait for it to get dark. It's still a bit of light, but it's overcast, so hopefully it will be dark soon. Here you are, here are the storm petrels again. Once described apparently by a famous ornithologist as the sound, or sounding like, a fairy being sick. I can't quite see that myself, but still. So I'm sitting um, on the island of Musa with Rodney Smith of the Musa Boat. And Rodney, we've come to uh, the Brock. Uh, and just explain what we are seeing here. Well, this is the birds, uh, the storm petals, the European storm petals. Uh, these birds uh, nest within the walls of this Brock. Well, in fact, here on Musa uh, is uh, the largest colony of European storm petals in the UK. Around about 40% of the UK's population live here on this island. And there's between three and 500 uh, pairs nesting within the walls of this Brock. Another 1,000 to 1,200 pairs nesting on this beach adjacent to the Brock. Um, and the what, Brock is essentially, uh, is it 5,000 years well, old? No, it's, it's, it's in the region of 2,300 years old, okay. built by the Iron Age people. Um, and it was a kind of a house? Well, I mean, there's a lot of guesswork uh, going on with that, you know, that's... I don't think they really know uh, too much about what, uh, about what they were actually for. Some people think it was a defensive structure. Others think it may have been a status uh, type thing. Um, I believe it would have been a defensive structure myself. That's my own opinion. Um, because why would they build it so high and, and, and build stairs because so you can go all the way it's to what, the It's what, 100 top. feet high? It's, no, it's, it's 43 feet high. It's 43 feet yeah, high. Okay, 43 feet high. And, you've got, and, and you can go all the way to the top using the original stone staircase, which is probably the oldest staircase in use in the UK today. Wow. Uh, nice. And you can go all the way to the top. So why would you build it like that if you didn't want to be able to see further to maybe give yourself more time to prepare for an attack. But an attack by who? Nobody really knows. They don't really know. And anyway, so but there are lots of tiny little crevices yeah. and yes, so on in yes, the brock. Yeah. And these tiny little birds yeah. nest in yeah, there. And they live within the walls of the brock. They nest within the walls of the brock. And we, we can see them. They're flying all around yeah. and so on. So what's happening here is, is these birds, they partner up for life. They pair up for life. Uh, and they nest in the same nest site each year. Uh, they come back here to Musa in May, and uh, the first eggs are laid in June, and the eggs take six weeks to hatch, and the parents, the two parents, um, they, they take shifts at incubating the egg. So one is sitting incubating the egg, and the other goes away on a feeding trip, and that bird will be away for three to five days feeding, and in that time it'll go in excess of 200 kilometers away to feed. And then when it comes back, uh, it takes over the incubating duties and the other bird, by this time, may have lost up to 20% of its body weight. It will go and feed for three to five days. So the egg is constant, continually 
incubate it. And then also when it's a, a, yeah. a chick. And then when it's a chick, the same thing goes on. One goes away to feed. And, but it's feeding itself. But now when it comes back, it's also regurgitating a certain amount to feed the chick. Yeah. And the other one will be away feeding. And this just, so this is how the whole uh, process goes. And how long will they um, stay uh, looking after their chick for? How much time? Um, well, the, the, the chicks... Um, Take forty days to hatch and about seventy day uh, seventy days before they fledge. Okay, the right. Nest. Yeah. So that's one hundred and ten days. Yeah, so kind yeah. of. Well, the, the first birds will leave the. Uh, they'll leave the nest maybe in uh, September. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not for a while. Not for a while. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they're here for they're here for a they're decent here for a good amount of time. time. And uh, end of August, September. But yeah. the last ones may may still even be here in uh, November. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay, and they're flying around. It's, it's kind of like a bit like watching yeah. bats, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, this is cause it's like watching bats. They come back here, and uh, you can hear the churring sound all through the walls of the birds that are in there already, and and they're getting excited because there's a good chance their partner is coming back to take over because they're hungry. They've lost maybe up to twenty percent of their body weight. And they need to go and feed right away. And do they? Is that churring sound? Is that so that their partner can recognise well, them? Well, I don't. I don't really know. I, mean, I don't. I don't really know uh, whether it's whether it's to do with that. I mean, the birds when they migrate, you know, they go all the way to the South Atlantic, uh, and then they come back here to the same nest site. So they know exactly where they're going. They don't really right. need to be told yeah. by yeah. by their partner. Okay, you know, they know exactly where they're going, but. Um, but maybe the birds are getting excited, and, right? Uh, because they know there's a good chance they're anticipating. To, yes, to get away to feed. It means yeah. they can go off and, and feed. I would say so. Yeah. So, um, how how many years have you been running trips well, here I've, to Musa? Yeah. Well, this this uh, this business has been uh, running for well over forty years. Wow. Um, but uh, myself, and my son only took over the business. Uh, this is our third season. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. But okay. I've been coming here to this island all my life. Right. My, my father was a lobster fisherman in this area. And what, what did you do before you took over the business? I worked in the oil industry. I was 35 years in the oil industry wow. and uh, took early retirement. Uh, and then uh, about three months after I took early retirement, this business came up for sale. So we thought we'd have to have a go at this for a few years, <laughs> see how it goes. And it's going really well. It's going good. Well, it's very full. <laughs> it's very full, yeah. It's, it's busy and it's popular. I mean, it's to me. I mean, I came so I came here on this trip um, twelve years ago. Yeah. So before you took yeah. over the business, yeah. and then it was to me one of the best wildlife experiences you yeah. can have yeah. in in this country. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's a lot of people says that. There's a lot of people. We had a wildlife. Uh, uh, wildlife expert mm. here a couple of year, couple of years ago and he sat here with me just just here with me and and uh, he said he'd been all over the world on wildlife uh, you know trips mm. uh, he'd done safaris in Africa he'd done all kinds of things but he says this is one of the this is one of the most amazing things that he's he felt this was up among the greatest. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it is.
It really is. It is quite a, a, it's exceptional what these little birds are. They're very small, and they can fly right past your face, and you never hear, you won't hear them in flight. They're so silent in flight. Um, and they're, they're coming back under the cover of darkness uh, to avoid the predator birds. Because otherwise they'd be picked yeah, off well, by that's, a, that's a, 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 a skewer exactly. or a blackback gull or every, something. Everything has got its place in the food chain, yeah. and that's just the way that it is. But yeah. there's a good, a good number of birds there now. Yeah, there are, there are. Yeah. It really is amazing. So here we are, I'm uh, right up against the wall of the Broch, this 43-foot... It's an Iron Age structure, and it's made of these kind of flattish stones uh, piled up on, on on top of each other, kind of like a dry, massive dry stone wall. There's lots of kind of lichen growing on it, and then you can hear the little birds singing away, maybe not calling for their mate, maybe just anticipating their mate coming back. And the thing is, there's a bird just oh my goodness, zooming past me. They're going all over the place. They're like sort of gigantic nocturnal hummingbirds. Um, and then you start walking around. This thing is probably, I don't know, I'm not very good at estimating distances, but I'm guessing it's got a circumference of maybe 100 feet or something. It's pretty big. It reminds me of like a kind of cooling tower. It's got that same sort of shape, kind of slightly narrowing towards the top and then and then out in the middle, narrowing in the middle and then kind of getting slightly wider. I don't know whether you heard that, there's a bird flying past me, but it really is absolutely incredible. There are birds just everywhere, flying everywhere, zooming around. I don't know what they're doing, but still. Now let's go back and hear that again. I'm now standing at the top of the broch. There's a stone staircase, as Rodney said, probably the oldest staircase in use in Britain today. Takes you to the top. And amazingly, you get to the top and there's still quite a lot of light. Um, And even though it's overcast, there's still a lot of light and it's midnight. Um, And... There are birds flying all around here. Um, Not quite as many as you can see going around the walls, but still quite a lot. And there's one there. It's kind of like a giant bat or something. And I say giant, they're not big, but they're bigger than bats. And the top of the broch is like a... Well, there's a big open space, which is open to the elements. Um, I guess there might have been a roof here once. And then there's a... They put in a a metal barrier to stop people from falling over the edge, which isn't a bad thing. And the sea's really close. You can probably hear it. Um, so it was built right on the edge of the island, possibly as a some sort of defensive or structure or lookout structure. Um, yeah, it's absolutely, it's remarkable. 
campsite's now getting on for quarter past midnight and the birds still flying manically around the brock. There's just so much action going on. Sometimes they come right past your head. You almost instinctively duck, even though these are tiny little birds and they never seem to hit you. Um, sometimes you see them clinging onto the walls of the brock and then kind of disappearing into the cre- one of the crevices. It's obviously found its its nest, its, its partner, its chick, presumably. Um, and it's going to take over tending duties. Um, and it's still, still light. There's still lightness in the sky. You can still see quite clearly the walls of the brock, the birds flying around. Um, but everyone else has disappeared from the trip and I feel probably need to go back now. Um, it feels kind of a wrench because you just won't see anything like this for a long, long time. Well, a big thank you to James and Rodney for that strange and rather beautiful encounter with birds most of us will rarely have the chance to see. We'll have more adventures from James and Shetland including otters and killer whales, in season four of our podcast, which will begin just after Christmas. James also has a new book out called 100 Great Wildlife Experiences, which offers tried and tested guidance on what to see and where in the British Isles, and is an absolutely essential book for all UK wildlife lovers. And it's published by White Owl. Thanks so much for listening, and don't forget to tune in to more of our podcasts at Acast and the Apple Podcast app. You can find all your countryside needs at our website, countryfile.com.